Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth of my Birmingham Street Name podcasts. Um, people have started to send me some feedback, so thank you for all your messages, not to mention the cups of coffee that have been brought for me, which has led to much merriment in the Jelf household. Uh, and it's nice to hear about people giving some feedback and that you're all, whether you know Birmingham or not, learning new things about this ever amazing city. So in today's episode, we move on to look at the letters J, K and L. And J is for John Bright Street. Now, John Bright Street, right in the heart of the city centre, not very far from New Street Station, housing the Alexandra Theatre, recalls, obviously, John Bright, who was Birmingham's MP at Westminster for more than 30 years, from 1858 until 1889. But like a number of prominent Brummies, he wasn't actually local. He was, in fact, born in Rochdale in Lancashire. And he is actually generally more remembered, I think, in the northwest of England than here. If any of you ever had to study in dry, boring history lessons at school, the Corn Laws. John Bright was actually best known for being one of the champions of the Anti-Corn Law League, something which was a really hot potato in Victorian times and really split the country down the middle, a bit like Brexit does nowadays. The Corn Laws, briefly, were designed to protect British farmers by prohibiting the import of foreign corn. However, this made domestic corn so expensive that Bright and other people said poor people had no money to spend on other things. It was all going on corn because they didn't have any other disposable income. It was harming the domestic economy generally in the long run. He was also a champion of the extension of the franchise of the right to vote to all men. Doesn't seem to have thought about women, but there we go. It is the 19th century. And he eventually came to hold ministerial office. But he quarrelled with the Prime Minister about, of all things, foreign policy in Egypt, and that eventually forced him from the government. And today, for all his campaigning zeal, he's hardly remembered in Birmingham at all, except in the name of this city centre street. It's easy to forget nowadays that until fairly recent times, this was one of the main nightlife areas of Birmingham, with several nightclubs forming part of Eddie Futrell's entertainment empire. And in some ways, it was a little bit like Broad Street is today. But this is somewhere where pedestrianisation, I don't think, did help. Until the 1980s, this was a bustling street because it was a major bus terminus and had been a, a tram one before that for bus routes down to the south of the city, especially along the Pershaw Road, the 41, 45, 47. And now, with buses banished away from there, and indeed general traffic, it often feels like a, a rather lost, vacant area. And it belies the fact that it was once one of Birmingham's most prestigious streets. In fact, rather like Corporation Street, which we talked about in the first episode, John Bright Street was constructed as part of a slum clearance programme, sweeping away some of the most deprived areas of Birmingham, including the Inkleys and Greens Village, which we've also talked about in a previous podcast. Uh, the road, although a lot shorter than Corporation Street, was finished in 1881, so roughly the same time, and it cost the corporation £31,000. Um, it might not have been quite up to the same standards of Corporation Street, but it did give what someone's described as a good account of itself. And 
it's always had something of a, a slant towards the entertainment industry. Uh, the Alexandra Theatre, once Birmingham's premier theatre and initially called the Lyceum, was built at the lower end of the street in 1901. Uh, if you don't recognise the name Lyceum, it gained the name Alexandra only the following year, named after the new Queen Consort of King Edward VII. Um, the manager of the Lyceum was advanced £5,000 towards the building of the theatre by Henry Mitchell of Smethwick, the brewing magnate of Mitchell's and Butler's fame. And the Futurist, which was once one of Birmingham's most luxurious cinemas, also had its main entrance there. It also served to open up a slightly more direct route between Hill Street and New Street Station Navigation Street area and the Bristol Road down by the Horse Fair. So the fact that it seems so remote and quiet and forgotten now really does belie the fact that it was once a, a very, very important thoroughfare. John Bright Street. K is for King Standing Road. King Standing today is a very large interwar municipal housing estate. Uh, it was constructed in the 1920s and 30s as one of Birmingham's first housing estates. It was at the time by far the biggest. And it was constructed relatively early, very soon after the First World War had ended, because the Summer Lane area of the city, very close to the city centre, had even then some of the worst slums in the country, I, I think I would say. There used to be a joke that policemen would only go around in twos along Summer Lane. And I think even then, especially as we were talking about this post-First World War, home was fit for heroes idea, it was felt necessary to remove the substandard housing, the crowded courts, the shared facilities, and move people to somewhere much better. It's just that that somewhere was, by the standards of the day, a very long way away, right up in the northwest of the then recently expanded city of Birmingham in an area that has long been called King Standing. It was built on garden suburb or garden city lines. It was a sort of slimmed down or simplified, slightly cheaper version of Bourneville in many ways. And although now we have this sometimes rather snobby ability to look down on council housing and council estates, I'm always very keen to point out that these places were built to an absolutely magnificent standard. People that had never seen or had a garden or a private toilet, let alone a bathroom, were now given houses in their own grounds with full indoor facilities. People felt that they were going to something absolutely amazing. The only drawback for many people being that it was then a long way from where their relatives were and indeed where they worked. And to this day, the number seven bus coming from an area of King Standing, uh, Warren Farm and across to uh, Perry Common, still enters the city along Summer Lane, a vestige of its original idea of linking people with their original homes and workplaces. Um, although the estate was built with a very, very high ideal, it initially didn't have many facilities like shops or cinemas, churches, even schools. Quite early on, it was pointed out that it had a larger population than complete towns like Stratford-upon-Avon or Shrewsbury. But nevertheless, these things did eventually come. The shops at King Standing were erected around a, a large circular roundabout, or as Brummies would say, an island, called rather unimaginatively the Circle. 
And then the most amazing Art Deco Odeon cinema was constructed there in the new nautical age, typical of the Odeons with the faience buff tiles, uh, neon lighting at night, vertical fins. The building still survives today, although it's long since ceased to be a cinema. And the building contractor that built King Standing was actually a London-based company, which is reflected this to this day in the names of many of the roads on the estate, like Finchley and Lambeth and Penge. Many of them are London place names, and that's why that has happened. But a strange name, King Standing. Um, the name actually comes from King's Standing Hill, which is a low, easy to miss, actually, mound just off King Standing Road. Uh, it was here, according to tradition, that King Charles I stood to address and rally his troops in 1642 on their way to the important royalist victory of Edge Hill. Uh, the king was on the way to Aston Hall, where he was accommodated for a couple of nights by the sympathetic Holt family there. But King Standing and the Mound in particular both have histories extending way, way back beyond the time of Charles I. For the road running alongside it is actually a stretch of the Roman Ichneod or Reichneod Street, which just was an important north-south route, which passes just a little to the west of present-day Birmingham. And if you look at a map of Birmingham, there are several stretches which are still in use as roads, um, including Pershaw Road at Sturchley, Wheeler Street in Lozells, and this bit of King Standing Road itself. Uh, although the best preserved stretch isn't actually any longer in use as a road. It's the part that runs through the western side of Sutton Park, Streetly. Streetly actually means the clearing with the Roman strata or street in it. And I often find when I mention Ichneald Street, especially as we're talking today about street names, people often think that Ichneald Street in Hockley was part of the Roman Ichneald Street, and it, it wasn't. It was erroneously thought to be so by the 18th century historian William Hutton, and that idea of his simply stuck, and the street commissioners or the corporation gave the name Ichneald Street wrongly to it. Uh, back to the mound itself, the King's Standing Hill, it's actually itself was old when the Romans built their road right next to it. Um, it's part of a pre-Roman structure. The purpose of which actually we can only guess at. Uh, it may have been something for rallying people, it may have been uh, an equivalent of a stone circle or a henge or something like that, but this anonymous bump on the grass on the edge of a 1930s municipal row of houses is by some argument the oldest structure anywhere within the present-day city of Birmingham, so K for King Standing Road. L is for Livery Street. Uh, that's somewhere that's actually well known in Birmingham. It's the, the saying is dying out a little bit, but for a long time, Livery Street was the longest street in Birmingham. It, it lost that title in the 1880s when City Road was constructed in Edgbaston. Um, but Livery Street, because it was for a long time the longest road in town, gave rise to a local saying, which you still very occasionally hear from older Brummies now, which is some things as long as Livery Street, or you've got a face as long as Livery Street, or something like that. 
Um, the name actually comes from Mr. Swan's Riding Academy and Livery Stables, which stood in Livery Street on the corner of Cornwall Street. And actually around there, although it's today embedded right in the middle of the city centre, around there, there are a number of reminders that this was once a very rural area. The Phillips family had extensive land nearby, uh, gardens on which later they gave land for the building of St. Philip's Church, which later became Birmingham's Anglican Cathedral. They had a little summer house in the shape of a Roman temple, giving us Temple Row, Temple Street. And they had a cherry orchard, which is what gives us the name Cherry Street alongside there. So around the Livery Street area, there are a lot of reminders of a very rural sort of life. So that's Livery Street. That's J, K and L. Do like this wherever you get your podcast, whether it's from Spotify or iTunes or direct from Anchor. But keep up the feedback. Always very glad to hear from you by Twitter or Facebook or emails. And I look forward to sharing the next of these episodes with you in the not too distant future. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye.